first thing, now I'm really excited about how like 2019, how, like how much the test report up, like how much luck sometimes does, does, does it happen in business? Um, I don't know if you ever hear of how I, how I built this podcast. It's on NPR. And that's one of the questions he asks, like all his guests, like how much was luck? How much was, you know, everything else, you know, but started right before the pandemic. That's just like, wow. Yeah, I think so remote did start a year before the pandemic. You're absolutely right. And I don't think it was luck. I think there was some sort of intention behind changing the way global employment yeah. solutions are working and combining um, very in innovative tech with amazing people. And so I think it was very intentional to start helping change this industry and to bring a little bit of light to this amazing opportunity to hire in global locations and not in a 30 kilometer radius. I think the fact that the pandemic happened really sped up our growth and created a, 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 a hyper growing year for us last year. And this is just sort of increased well, uh, well into, um, into this year still with Omicron you know, currently still going through fourth waves all over the world. Um, and remote um, truly empowers businesses as well as people to open those global opportunities and to hire amazing talent and, and employees anywhere in the world. I think it brings forth a different type of um, economic opportunity as well. And it helps scale businesses. Um, I for one has actually experienced this way before the pandemic. Um, as well. And I think remote is just starting to really take that innovative tech with real people building real relationships and partnerships around the world, wanting to impact both the, the personal, you know, human aspect as well as the business aspect. So it's been incredible to be a, to be a part of it so far. Well, this is great. Usually we'll give the intro, but I love this intro, Tessa, right? Go, maybe this <laughs> is a good way to start a podcast to just go right into it. This may be something <laughs> that we could change. This is perfect. But so, so that was great. Uh, and I'd like to introduce Nadia and do, I don't know if I pronounce valid. How do I pronounce your, your, your last name? Just so I don't kill it. Sorry. Yeah, it's Nadia Vatilidis. I'm married to an amazing Greek guy, I'm half Italian myself. And so therefore the, the Greek surname. There you go. And you're the chief people officer for remote? I'm the, yeah, I'm the VP of people at remote.com. Um, and I initially started as director of people a year ago. So it's been a tremendous year so far. Wow. And so we welcome you to Happy Work. And the whole ethos of what we're doing is empowering workers, bringing positivity and happiness into the workforce, and then bringing on really smart guests like yourself to share your story and share what your company is doing to help folks. And I'm glad you kind of kind of launched into it and just spoke about it. And Tessa, maybe you could kind of we could elaborate and get a little bit more into details like what's going on at Remote. Absolutely, so welcome Nadia. So I would love to first get a better understanding of who you are. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey and um, how you came to, what were you doing before Remote and how did you come to Remote? Yeah, so I regard myself a little bit as rural talent. Um, so well before the pandemic, I had my own little company in South Africa and the executive search, post coaching, sort of HR uh, consulting type business. Uh, I had one international client and the rest was all local, also within that 30 kilometer radius. Um, and I was really struggling with the local economy at the time, being a very small business owner, was a little bit afraid of the future and not really sure what direction I wanted to go into. And I took a relatively big risk um, to join a company called GitLab, which is in the DevOps space um, now six years ago, um, as a recruiter. 
So I literally took my career as a small business owner and managing director at the time back into a full-blown recruiter role um, at a hyper-growing startup. I took GitLab from 73 people or 70 odd people to 1,300 people over the period I was there. It was amazing growth. It was one of the first globally all remote companies in the world without a single office anywhere in the world. Um, and the mission was all about open source. And I think the transparency factor was extremely lucrative for me. I love the fact that I was able to share what I was doing with the world and provide opportunities for small other companies um, to start up. Always been very passionate about how you're enabling others. And that's also why I started my career in recruiting and executive search and coaching. Um, and so GitLab really resonated with me at the time, but it was a big risk. Um, I got a question, I, I told Jack earlier, I got a question in the beginning, like you're gonna be working for a company, people that you've never met, um, that's you know allegedly a, a Silicon Valley startup. How are you gonna get paid? Are you gonna get paid? Um, and you'll be working from home, like a stay at home mom. So that's often the, the questions I got and it spiraled, it spiraled into a full blown career. Uh, it certainly set me up for success um, so nicely to join remote.com. I had a great experience at GitLab. I'm still in touch with them. I love their journey. I love following their journey. They've since IPO'd, uh, which I thought was incredible last year. Um, but I joined remote, especially because of the impact it's having on people in very rural locations. And I recognize that folks in locations like Kenya or Chile or Argentina or Philippines or Poland uh, or in Austria is not necessarily gaining opportunities at Silicon Valley or UK-based or Dutch or German-based startups, and they're sort of still stuck in their local markets. And we are impacting and changing that. We are bringing you know, tremendous opportunities uh, for all these amazing people around the world. Some of them highly qualified, some of them incredibly resilient um, and has this great, interesting experience and can bring such diverse creativity to organizations that I think some organizations have, hasn't even tapped into or hasn't even experienced. I think a lot of organizations last year were still stuck in this weird remote forced type headspace. And I think in 2022, I'm very excited about this year. And I think it's time to switch towards remote first, regardless of what business model you're going to be running. There's just such an incredible opportunity to use remote first business practices and what we deliver here and the opportunities we're creating um, in your organization to empower and enable folks all around the world to work for you, to grow into a new economy, to grow your organization, to scale your company into global markets that you never even thought you know, would be possible. And I'm seeing very large and very exciting organizations doing it. And I'm also seeing very small, very creative startups really tapping into it you know, off the bat. So our clients, from all over the world and um, some of them are very small some of them are very large um, and they are they are truly starting to believe in, in what we're believing in and that is the future of work it's it's made up of diverse global employees and it is tapping into these amazing you know fresh economic environments and markets um, and it's bringing a level of inclus inclusivity and sort of cultural flu fluidity to organizations that hasn't existed before um, the COVID-19 pandemic. And so, yeah, I think maybe a strike of luck, but I think the intention was there to start, to start changing the way global employment works. 
So I have a follow-up for you. I'm really fascinated by the model of the international workplace. Um, I teach as an instructor with uh, Harvard uh, professional development programs, but I'm also a professor at Halt International Business School. So uh, at Halt, our classrooms are a microcosm of exactly what you're describing. We have over um, 100 countries represented in our classrooms of students from all over the world. So it's really, I think, wonderful to hear that uh, through companies like Remote, really smaller companies or medium or even larger companies can really access talent from around the world. So what are the types of resources that you provide companies to help manage you know, an organization that's so diverse and wonderfully inclusive, but of course, along, along with that level of diversity comes a lot of challenges. So what kinds of resources do you provide to companies? Great question. So firstly, I think if I had to start with just our Country Explorer page, it is filled with such tremendous information and provides companies sort of an upfront idea of what they could expect in different countries around social costs, public holidays, the legalities around all these things, right? Um, but because we also have a public handbook, not only are we providing this amazing resource of information on how these countries work, but we also have great remote practices that they could copy and use and you know uh, implement in their environments in a very scrappy, quick way. Um, and so first of all, I think we're providing a lot of not just consulting sort of services, but also partnerships with a lot of our clients. I love speaking to our clients and I'm not in a client facing role. I'm responsible for our amazing employees and people all around the world internally. But I love speaking to some of our clients around the challenges they're experience, experiencing um, during all this sort of evolving changes in the world. And it does keep changing. Um, and I think with a lot of that change came a lot of probably fear, a little bit of concern around the future. So we bring a lot of stability to that. We take care of all the legally compliant aspects of hiring these folks. So if you think about the onboarding journey, thankfully because of innovative tech and an amazing product company like ourselves, we can make that very fluid for a employee experience, a factor people experience factor. And then we go into you know, the contractual side, making sure the employment agreements are accurate with the right information having the necessary documentation available in our product for our clients and, and for, for the people that they're hiring to know what they're getting themselves into, you know, what are the things they can do and can't do. And we have a tremendous customer success team. We have a lot of legal expertise internally. And the fact that we um, own all 60 plus of these entities that we have um, in the world does add a completely different factor to employment services. There's no third party that we have to negotiate with in terms of the people experience or the human experience that we're trying to create, the client experience we're trying to create. Also that very quick feedback to make sure they're fully supported and that they have access to information. Sometimes it's a very difficult query. It could be employee relations related, or it could just be a leave, parental leave query, et cetera. And we're, we're absolutely you know, there for the journey and there for them. So I regard us really as a partner in the future of work and the way global employment solutions work. That's great. When, when you say remote first, I know that sounds obvious, but it seems that there's a difference between some companies that are remote, but when you use remote first, what is, how is that different? That's a great question, Jack. I always think about like a list of things that's super important. So I'll start with documentation because it's 
one of my favorite topics around how it enables people and how it empowers knowledge uh, in terms of just asynchronous and global work. So I'm very lucky to have a team across more than eight different time zones at this point, just in the people team at Remote. I think globally at Remote, we have more than 16 time zones. I need to check that number. It could be slightly more or less, but we keep growing in new locations. So that keeps expanding. But if you have folks in all these locations, it's very difficult to work synchronously. You'll sit in meetings all day, every day, and potentially outside of your usual work hours. But if you start leaning into a documentation first approach where things are truly asynchronously available, where someone doesn't have to um, try and memorize a process or memorize templates or how to find it, where things are searchable, where things are available to all, becomes this amazing source of great knowledge and information, and it helps itself enables people. So I think self-enablement is one of those key factors about remote work. You no longer have to rely on instant Slack notifications or instant replies. You know, at remote, we don't. We we asynchronous company. So if someone slacks me or sends me a message through a messenger app at my midnight, I'll, I'll be sleeping. I won't be available to answer them, but they'll be able to find a ton of information in our documentation and i think so that's the first aspect the second aspect to documentation is async we're still seeing a lot of companies that are sort of forcing this like meeting environment and having three hour meetings and working sync non-stop i think it's starting to stall creativity i think it's hindering the opportunity to go away after a 25 minute discussion and like jot down ideas and start thinking and actually working through a few solutions um, having having a global um, having a global team also means that you could be less inclusive if you have those meetings or at a specific time every day or every week. And so also thinking around async plus time zone inclusivity if you're having folks around the world. And so I think documentation, asynchronous work, that already will impact a hybrid environment or a remote first practices. There are many aspects, there are many other aspects. So you need to have the right type of tools and ideally tech tools. And also knowing and not holding on to those because they will keep evolving. You might switch from a messenger system that worked very well in the office, that felt very formal and corporate to something a little bit more tech friendly and a little bit more modern to work with global, you know, global cultural workforce where that corporate approach might not be modern enough, might not be inclusive enough. Um, and so I think, I think the tech tools also matter in how you decide on, on choosing those. And providing availability to all of that, right? So if you're not supplying all these things, it's very difficult for people to just, you know, have their own laptop and have their own headset and have their own second screen if they're working in finance, for example. Uh, so also supplying the right tools to use daily. It's, um, so... It's funny, I just had an aha moment when you were describing that, because I think what we have seen with the global pandemic is organizations and companies trying to take the culture of working in an office and just moving that culture into a Zoom environment or into an, a remote environment. And what you're saying, what I just honestly realized in the last five minutes, so thank you, is that it's a different animal. We cannot pretend like we're still all working together in an office and like in this meeting culture, which actually I think for a lot of people is very draining to sit on a Zoom call for hours and hours of, you know, each day, um, that we have to realize that when we are in a hybrid or a remote 
type work environment that it's a completely different animal that you have different rules and that you need to have different system and processes in place so it sounds like that's exactly when you describe the future of work that's exactly what your company has done um quite brilliantly so um thank you for that aha moment <laughs> um but I, the, the question i had though is so that's a huge culture shift right like for organizations that have traditionally had an in-person uh, work environment and workplace culture that that's a big culture shift so um you, my first question is really around how do you help companies make that transition to remote right because it's it is a lot more empowerment of the individual employee to know that they don't have to wait for their boss to give them an answer but that they have more self-enablement and access and empowerment to to find answers themselves and to be able to move forward in their work and not get stalled um, so how do you help companies transition that that kind of in-person culture to remote and also i'm really curious in your role as a chief people officer how do you manage a global culture remote culture as well right for your own company and what are some of the lessons learned that perhaps you go to your your product innovators and say we need I'm learning this and doing this ourselves, so we need to apply this to our business model. Yeah, Tessa, so we'll start with the client side. There's so many facets to this. There's so many aspects that we sort of look into when we work with customers. We have such tremendous partners. So I'll start with that. We have partnered with amazing companies, both in the HRIS, ATS, talent so resourcing and providing search services. So if companies doesn't even know how to go and find this amazing talent, partnered with organizations like that. And then there are way other partners that are a little bit more sort of very tech, very modern HR related products. And having partnered with these really enables those organizations to very quickly shift from a very traditional approach to a very modern approach. And you don't need to do a 360 type you know, um, change. You can do this in an iterative step. And I would always highlight and recommend never to just go from like A to, to, to Z immediately and start with small iterations. So start shifting away from um, thinking that people have time for social connection if they're in meet, meeting all day and rather start shifting to having intentional time for that, building intentional social connection sessions and finding ways to go and create a new water cooler, right? Because there's no more, there is no water cooler. There's no one drinking coffee in the morning or heating up food in the kitchen um, at 12 noon for lunch. And so starting to, to be very intentional around those things has been very helpful. And these partners of ours certainly um, helps a great deal with that. There are many, we've got an amazing list of partners um, on our website if you wanna go take a look across the entire modern HR tech stack. Um, and then further to that, at Remote Internally, having, having transparency as a value has been core to our success. There's many other values that means so much to me personally, and all of those definitely impact our customers. But because we're so transparent about what we do and how, and the amount of information we're sharing with organizations, we're making it very easy to start shifting. For example, if you need to have a conversation with all your employees around, we're gonna be converting you to employees, you're currently contractors, or during the hiring process, you know, having those conversations about, we'll be hiring you through an employer record, or global employment solutions called promote.com, you know, and a step-by-step -step guide just to support them. So they have access to a ton of information and they uh, are help at promote.com um, email or, or um, 
um, message tool has also probably exploded over the last year and we have such amazing people behind answering those queries live. So actual humans engaging with our customers and partnering with them. And um, we've also found a great way to really support um, customers that are potentially larger that have tons of people onboarding and high volume uh, conversations um, and li literally taking them step by step through the process. Um, because we also have legal experts um, in, available to them, they can ask us very difficult questions or very easy questions. And so that supports them. And then furthermore, um, with, with moving a lot of our documentation to our product, so our product offering is quite exceptional. A lot of our documentation is available on our product. And so when folks are wondering what benefits we're offering in countries like Poland, they're able to access it and very quickly have that conversation during the hiring process or during the onboarding process. And so really mimicking exactly what we're doing internally and providing our customers that opportunity to do so externally as well with their employees. We love a people-first approach, so we're certainly selling that, and we hope that all our customers and all the businesses around the world will start shifting towards this big human people factor and not treat people as resources or bums and seats. I think that is, you know, in the past, I think that's very much around the, the, the 90s and sort of early 2000s, but I think we're, we're really past that, that phase of, of work and future of work. Um, and then internally, I mean, I was very lucky. I walked into an organization and, and I certainly uh, chose this organization because of the changes it's making in the world and opportunities it's presenting to amazing people, very rural locations. But we have two co-founders that truly live out our values every single day. And so these things aren't written on, you know, on the wall and then no one looks at them or someone looks at them once a year and says, like, should we iterate on this? That's certainly not how it works. We have um, taken those values and we have operationalized it in everything we do. So from our hiring and the way we ask questions is very, very value centric to the way we onboard, to the experience we create. We've also used a lot of design thinking and product thinking around the experience that we're creating for people and that longevity and that future and that sort of entire life cycle journey that we have for all our amazing people around the world. Um, and then further to that, we have a public um, page around diversity, equity, and inclusion with a very uh, strong lean towards belonging. Everyone can show up as they are and as they wish. Um, so there is no corporate magic curtain. If you have interruptions in your day, kids, significant others, pets, family members, friends walking into calls, you don't need to apologize for that. That's absolutely normal. Rather just introduce us and let us wave to them and say hello. And so I think taking away the pressure of that perfection or you know, um, having to be all corporate, like boardroom style, is completely gone in this environment. And so it's extremely authentic. And when people can show up as themselves and be authentic, and they can also make really good mistakes that helps us very quickly iterate on someone, something or helps us find a bug or helps us move forward with a different type of process in mind. And so I think... It, it, it's bringing a lot of creativity and a lot of diversity to remote. It's also providing an opportunity where everyone feels very safe to work in. Um, we have um, a, we, we're currently tracking um, our diversity internally. And so we're starting to become very public about how we've grown and what is that looking like right now in terms of folks that identify as female, identify as male, identify as non-binary. And I think that also helps with attracting the right type of people 
to our organization. I think a hyper growth uh, tech startup is certainly not for everyone. I think there's certain competencies that you need, including a bit of grit and resilience uh, to be successful in this environment. But um, it's certainly a very enabled environment. We pro provide a lot of things up front to create that self-enablement, warm feeling of belonging from the start. But what I'm, what um, I'm hearing, Nadia, yeah. is that is Yab has to give you a raise. It sounds like you have a lot on your plate that you're doing. That's a lot of stuff that you're responsible for. Oh my goodness. That, that's a- I have an I, amazing team, Jack, so it's not yeah, just How me. big is your team? Because that's, that's seriously, that's all. I'm listening to you going like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of work, a lot of stuff. Yeah, we, um, we have a large recruiting team. Yeah. Um, to go through hyper growth, you have to build a really amazing internal recruiting and sourcing team. So we have an incredible team that looks after that. And they report into our um, senior director, um, of the, our senior manager of recruiting. And then uh, on the people side, we have, I'll need to check because we've just, we've just had someone on board this week, but it's probably around uh, 15 to 17 people at the moment. Um, and I don't think we, we're going to expand the people team to much beyond that, but we do have all aspects of, of, of HR and people, right? So from... Uh, things like total rewards, we have a team, um, including people analytics, we have a people operations team and a people experience team combined that creates people excellence. We have an amazing people enablement and partnership team, which also looks after our learning and development. Um, and the documentation and knowledge base team also reports into me currently, and we're expanding that a little bit because documentation is so important um, at remote. And then furthermore, something I'm really going to be focusing on th in this year, considering that growth we had last year, is potentially um, looking at a vertical looking after wellness, DEI, and social connection. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was going to ask you yeah. after that. Yeah. So it's because here in the States, I, you know, you, you know, operate globally. Here, I, so I could just talk to what I know here. You know, mental health issues, burnout, feelings of isolation, depression, off the charts. I mean, people are at each other's throats here in this country. It's, it's really toxic in person, online. So are you finding that across the board with, with your different clients? Or is it kind of focused in certain countries or it's worse than others? And then how do you help? How do you, like, how do you identify within your own organization or help your clients if somebody's working alone? After a while, are they feeling isolated, depressed? and other ways to kind of rope them back in and give them the help they need. Yeah, mental health is top of mind. I think more so in the pandemic, but it certainly should always be top of mind for any chief people officer, VP of people, or anyone in the people space, really. And a lot of our customers are certainly um, seeing that as top of mind, especially after 2021, leading into 2022. I'm currently reading a really interesting book about this, by the way, and I'll tell you a little bit more about- Oh wait, yeah, let us know, because we always like- journey. you know. It, our guests always seem to be reading good books, so we keep track yes. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what's, what do you yeah. have? What's... I have it on my desk because I have a poster to say, like, read it on Friday again. Um, and this is my way of starting my morning and reminding myself what yeah. I committed to. So it's by um, an author called Naomi Shradai. And the book is called The Man Who Mistook His Job for His Life. It looks like this. Um, it's incredible. It's all about how mental health often shows up at work through what people experienced in their childhood or as young adults. And so very often, a lot of that leads into work-related problems or things that's showing up in their daily work or things that's really stifling their growth and opportunity. So I absolutely, I'm loving this read and um, sort of halfway through and I'm learning a lot through 
um, the emotional connection that people make between childhood and, and at work. Now, surrounding mental health and wellness, we ran uh, one of our first surveys and people-specific surveys sort of early last year. It's evolving now towards an engagement survey. So I think we're going to change it to engagement survey this year. We were just too early in our, uh, in our journey to call it an engagement survey early last year because uh, we were 70 odd people. We, we're, we're certainly leading to that now. But one of the questions we asked was around well-being and whether people are feeling burnt out. There was a lot of questions around that. And we certainly saw that a few folks were struggling with either um, you know, being in lockdown, being very alone and relying heavily on working relationships to feel engaged and feeling that, that there's a connection out there. I think being this global has been helpful. And I think a lot of the social things that we do do has been incredible to those folks, but, but that doesn't fix mental health. So we decided to, in, in a very early uh, organization and startup to implement the wellness and mental health program. Um, we used the vendor for that. We've used Modern Health. And we specifically chose this vendor because they were available in so many countries in the world. So something else I'm finding now with vendors and looking into mental health and wellness, there isn't a lot of suppliers out there that can support you know, a global, amazing employment base or employee base. And so we started you know, really reviewing that. And um, there are tremendous startups in that space, by the way, as well. Uh, that's doing incredible work and I think they're expanding globally now so they also have great economic opportunities um, as we talk about this topic but the sign up was incredible and to see how many of our employees engaged on those platforms was incredible to see I think when I checked the last time in December it was sitting at 84 percent and you could utilize this for coaching for meditation for joining different groups of people outside of our organization that's potentially going through the same type of thing that you might be going through I think it's also been a great investment for neurodiversity. We have a lot of folks around the world that certainly um, classifies as neurodiverse and has been diagnosed with something of that sort or in that spectrum. And so we also want to keep those folks really safe at the moment. And so providing that, I think, is the right thing to do in 2021. We've certainly encouraged that to our customers as well. Um, and I think we're trying to look at adding a partner on that you know, within that. Um, no, Nadia, can I, ask your, can I ask your opinion on this? So, you know, we've done about 17, 18 of, of these types of things. And it's really wild because we started thinking, oh, we'll have a few meetings and it just blew up. And we have like a pipeline of a dozen more to go. And we're learning so much from the people we speak with. So much so that we, we, we thought, hey, maybe we could take all that information and help companies like distill you know, all the best ideas, suggestions from people like yourself and, and then go to companies and say, hey, here's what we find that could help you out in terms of, you know, uh, recruiting, retention, you know, making sure you don't have attrition, making people, you know, taking, looking after mental health. Do you think there's a market in that? Do you think that there's an interest in, in, in providing those? And I guess you would probably have to do not much in it, not maybe in an app, but this sounds like a personal thing. You know what I mean? Like a once Omicron is gone, maybe in person or, or through a webinar, is that, what do you think of that? Is that a worthwhile endeavor, you think? I definitely think it's an amazing startup idea. I think it's yeah. a huge need. Just looking at the amount of outreach we're experiencing and ask, yeah. you know, asking for help folks in specific, um, I belong to a few amazing communities in the people space, the amount of outreach I received for help and for just guidance around global remote teams, helping even from 
time zone inclusivity to the mental health aspect to how we create a belonging at remote how do we make someone feel warm and welcome on day one you know a, a load of paperwork isn't going to create that and making exactly, someone do a bunch exactly. of administration isn't going to do that anymore so it's all about that human experience and so i certainly think it's a great startup idea we're yeah. certainly doing a lot um, in that space right now um but yeah because like you know I, again i don't know how it is in other countries but here you just feel it when you talk to people you know you just feel you know this is like simmering right tessa like would you say like this like simmering tension that's just out there and and then every once in a while you just see it blow up and and we're fortunate we're so fortunate like we're speaking to such smart people all the time like all right wait a minute so we're getting great ideas and you know but partly like by writing about you know like we talked before the show so partly that's what i enjoy is i could find it and write about but then i figure hey maybe there's a better you know another way so why not yeah one of the questions I had, Nadia, and I, I know we're, we're short on time, so I'm going to ask this one last question and then Jack can close this out, mm -hmm. but um, you've talked a lot. I mean, first of all, it sounds like an amazing culture and it sounds like the work that you have done um, has really enabled uh, the organization to be very open and for people to be very open about their vulnerabilities and you know, especially when you're thinking about there's upwards of four generations in the workforce right now, you know, there's different perceptions as to whether or not certain generations um, feel comfortable sharing this type of information in a workplace, because you, as you said, in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, that was really discouraged. And um, there were a lot of privacy laws put into place to help protect people. And now we're asking people to be very forthcoming with you know, diagnoses and, you know, mental health issues and, and to really be as transparent as possible. So how do you provide that psychological safety um, within the workplace so people do feel like their job is not going to be in jeopardy if they do become vulnerable or share or give information to their employer or even through your platform? I think because the leadership itself, so even the executive team is so truthful and authentic and transparent about what they're going through so i mean it's not just the the folks that are potentially parents that struggled through COVID, but also we had folks that became you know that are single that are alone that was really struggling with, with that with those feelings in very high positions at remote and being very honest publicly sort of in a slack channel about that does create safety for others to speak up or reach out for help a lot of that is still private and anonymous. We never expect someone to just share their diagnosis. I've seen a complete organic environment where we have a neurodiversity Slack channel. We also have an LGBTQ plus pad where folks just feel like they can speak about these things because we have transparency as a value and because everyone is showing up as themselves. I have to say like the key missing factor is obviously trust. If people don't trust the people that they work for, and if you don't trust the folks that you're hiring, then you will not create an environment where everyone can just feel like they can shop as themselves. So part of psychological is that one-on-one -on -one trust, but it's also the, the company trusting the employee and the employee trusting their leaders, their peers and folks that they work for. We spend a lot of time educating and writing and documenting about these things. We've created a lot of guidelines um, around how you can create trust in your teams 
And what are the things, like one of the things that really means a lot to me and that I've been using a lot as a leader with my amazing team and, and with other teams has been like always starting a conversation to check in on how someone is doing versus jumping straight to the agenda. And that's still a habit I'm seeing in a lot of more corporate organizations, right? So like keep the agenda, work, 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 work. And then, oh, how are you doing? How's things going? By that time, the person is exhausted. They need to get going with their work. They don't, they're not really going to share. So starting a conversation with just checking in to see how someone is doing is one of the leadership aspects. I think current leaders, you know, that, 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 ha that is hiring globally, that has a global workforce and various demographics should be doing is having that personal and emotional connection with someone else. Um, and often through that, when you start realizing what someone else is going through, you can offer the right support. You can reach out to us as your people team to, to let us help, to provide ideas, to provide support, to, to give different options without being even have to, having to say who's going through it. But yes, I'm seeing such great organic um, conversations. We also have a lot of fun. So we have channels that are all about hobbies, so whether that's cooking or biking or and sharing like, I, I'm about to update our ice biking channel with how I mountain bike through a river um, yeah. in my vacation. So I think just having that opportunity to be that transparent and being that human in your leaders as well is probably what's, what's sort of changed our environment to be this forthcoming and open. That's so awesome. That's so great. So Nadia, I appreciate so much you taking the time and sharing everything and you know, all the good work you're doing at Remote. And my, my own particular thing where I think is one of the best is that by going remote, you could just work from anywhere. And I think that just levels the playing field for so many people for so many years, couldn't get access to really cool companies and great jobs just because of where they lived and they didn't want to leave their family and friends. And now all of a sudden that's possible. And to me, maybe because I've been a recruiter and executive search for 25 years and like you, you know that, hey, Jack, I would like it, but the commute is too long, I can't do it. All of a sudden it just changes, it's amazing. So. I know there's a lot of other things, but particularly for me, I think that's just, that's such a game changer on, and it's not just in one country, it's a globally. So it's just, and it's wild because you don't hear people talking about it. Like more people should be talking about what you're doing because it's, it's a, really a revolutionary change in how everything works. And, and I think the more companies that adopt this process, the more people have chances to work wherever. And, and I, I hope you guys keep growing because you're, you're doing great work. So thank you so much for sharing. And I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Jack. Our mobility team is very busy for our customers and for yeah. us internally. So we have yeah. a lot of folks that decide to relocate short-term <laughs> and long-term all over the world and we're able to Excellent. support that as well. Well, thank you. Thanks. Excellent. Thank, thank you, you so much, Nadia. It was wonderful to speak with you and get to know you and get to know more about remote. So we'll be certainly sharing yeah. information about your company with, with all our other guests because it's really yeah. amazing. Appreciate that, Tessa. Thank you, Jack. Well, thanks. Thank you, well, thank you very much. Next time when we speak, I got to find out how it was like at GitLab before, like placing people remote before that was popular. That When we speak again, you got to say, because that has to be brutal to call people up and say, have a job. <laughs> oh, where's it going to be? In your house? Wait, what? Because that, like, no one was really doing it back then. But that, that maybe, you know what? Maybe we could do that for another podcast if you like, so we to talk about stuff like that. Because whew, as a recruiter, that had to be, at that time, really hard. Right. Sounds amazing. I'm in. Well, thanks a lot. Well, take care. And you're awesome.